Good morning, lovely guys and gals, and welcome back to the Bread of Life podcast. On today's episode, we're going to be finishing up and wrapping up the Liturgy of the Word. We're going to end it with a song, which is a beautiful topic, which I I think is amazing and is so rich um, and is often neglected very much in the Coptic rite. Uh, So just a few notes to mention before we begin, talking about the psalm and getting into it. The psalm itself has four sections. Traditionally, two of them are melismatic and two of them are recitative or they're recited. They're short with a much shorter tune. And it's during these two, these last two verses, or these last two lines of the song, that the priest processes around the altar, as we mentioned last week with a little entrance. This is, this is when um, the priest would, would begin the, uh, entering the sanctuary. Ibn Kabar actually uses the word chanter to describe those who chant the psalms. Oftentimes, there's an understanding that these are readers who are chanting the song, but historian and scholar Ibn Kabar mentions that it's chanters who, are, who do that job. And the candles that are used in the procession during this little entrance are the candles that end up towards the gospel uh, with the deacons holding the gospel. So clearly, he's mentioning that there are candle bearers during this little entrance around the sanctuary as well. So there are several tunes for the psalm. Um, and as we mentioned last week, or the procession around the altar with the gospel book and the candles, uh, the prayer is, Lord, now letting your servant depart in peace. However, the other prayer was a psalm that I mentioned uh, is, Lord, I cry to you. In any case, the overview of the tunes. This can get quite complicated, so I'm probably going to uh, post an infographic on our Facebook page. Um, but for now, I'm just going to share with you. If you can try to understand it that way, that would be good. Um, but if, if it gets complicated, I'm going to post the infographic anyways. So I've, as we've mentioned, there are the, there's the melismatic tune. The melismatic tune uh, is for the offering of incense, which is the Jia of Saji Tun, which is the feast of the Virgin Mary Vesper uh, Psalm. Um, that's when it's read. And then there's the Liturgy of the Word, which is often understood as a Singeri. The Singeri is not festive in any way. Uh, there's a Singeri tune. And then there's the Holy Week tune, which is the Shami tune, um, which is often um, embodied in the hymn Pekathronos. Now, a few notes on Shami and Singeri. So Shemi is the Shem amount in Egypt and in the Luxor area. And obviously, after this, there's the Adribi tune, uh, which is from a tune from a place called Adrib in Egypt. And after those, those, the Holy Week tune, there's no Tawaf. The word Tawaf basically comes from the word Tawak in Arabic, uh, which means procession. So again, this was chanted during the procession of um, uh, around the altar, uh, known as the little entrance. So that that's pretty much it for the Holy Week tune. Going back to the Singeri tune, this is a quite uh, interesting uh, part of history that I'd like to share with you guys. Uh, Danny Giggers wrote an entire article on this um, online, uh, so I'm just reading an excerpt from that. Uh, if, you're inter- if you're really interested, you can let me know. I can share the article with you. Uh, so the Singeri tune is a beautiful melisma that originated from the region known as Singar, a village located west of the Nile Delta, near the current Lake Borobos. It was a popular site of pilgrimage. 
The Coptic Cynic Synod knows that Diocletian persecuted Christians there. There were also many prominent monks living in Singar. The region became a bishopric at some point in the 8th century and have played an important role in the history of northern Egypt. The bishops of this see were present at several documented councils and one of the Coptic patriarchs was a monk from this place. This is very likely to have played a significant role in the preservation and spread of this tune for the psalm chant. Unfortunately, Singar was destroyed by the rising water levels of Lake Barolos sometime during the 16th or 17th century. The ruins of the village are located on an island which is now in the midst of the lake. The only surviving remnant of the region is this wonderful melisma. This melisma was placed on the first two phrases of all psalms chanted during the liturgy of the word during both festive and annual days, the only exception obviously being the psalms of the Kiak or Advent month. Now, this is just an important nuance to, to understand that the, the Singeri tune is nothing to do with the festive tune. It's often preserved for the festive occasions, like um, like the night the night liturgies, the vigil liturgies at night, such as Nativity, Resurrection, and Epiphany. However, this tune was supposed to be prayed all year long. And sure, maybe we can preserve the longer tune, the longer Singeri tune for those days, but the Singeri tune itself has three different components. And we're going to discuss that shortly. And the offering event, which we mentioned earlier, all of the offering of incense tunes uh, were all the Jeyav Saji tune, which is the same melisma for the feast psalm of the Feast of the Virgin Mary. So those are the three melismas uh, for the psalms in the Coptic Orthodox Rite. Then there is the then there is an intermediate, which is kind of in between the melisma and the recitative. Uh, and this is for the offering of incense and in liturgy of the word. And then there's also a festal intermediate, the Zikiak intermediate. And the intermediate for um, Holy Week is the Adribi, <laughs> even though it, it sounds melismatic. That can't believe it or not, that is the intermediate. Um, the Adribi is Keaperto, basically, and the Shami is Pecatronus. However, there are different versions of the Singeri tune. There is the long Singeri tune, the original Singeri tune, and then there's the summary Singeri tune. And there is the abbreviated Singeri tune. And then there's also the recitative. The, recita the recitative tunes are the shorter tunes which are chanted on the third and fourth verse for the offering of incense, liturgy of the word, and the festival occasions and kiak occasion. Um, so basically how the psalm begins during the festive times is that there are three long alleluias, which are not part of the melisma. The verse one and two, uh, are chanted in the in the melismatic tune, and then followed by a short Alleluia. And the verse 3 and 4 are chanted in the intermediate tune. And then because there's a Tawaf, there's, the Tawaf is applied to the, uh, the recitative tune is applied to the Tawaf, followed by the psalm response, and then the concluding Alleluias. In Kiak, it's the same as above, except there are four long Alleluias, and there's no psalm response. So basically, to kind of make a long story even longer, <laughs> um, there is the mournful tune, or the sad tune. The melisma for that is the shemi, pekatronos. The intermediate is the adribi, and that's it for the mournful tune, or for the holy week tune. Then there's the offering of incense, which is separate from the liturgy of the word. They both have two separate tunes. So in the offering of incense, there is the jayafsaji tune. And then on standard days, there is the offering of incense tune, and the intermediate and the recitative is the same. However, on festal days, um, 
there's a specific festal intermediate and a specific festal recitative, which are the same, which are applied to both the offering of incense and the liturgy of the word. If we're going to the liturgy of the word now, there's a singeri, which is the melisma, which doesn't change for the liturgy of the word. It's always the melisma uh, for the liturgy of the word. The singeri, there's the long summary and abbreviated version. On standard days, there is the intermediate for the liturgy of the word, and then the recitative is different. However, on feast days, again, the festal intermediate and recitative are the same. And during kiyak, there's no melisma. It's just the intermediate. It's the same tune for the kiyak uh, tune in recitative and intermediate. I'm going to share this infographic with you guys because it can get complicated. But trust me, it's a lot less complicated than it seems. After this psalm is prayed, uh, if it's appropriate or if the season requires, then the psalm trailer is prayed, followed by the psalm response. Now, all of these intricacies, all of these details to highlight a very important point, that the psalm is not read during the gospel reading they're separate. The psalm is the the preparation or the or the prologue, if you will, of the gospel, and it's prayed during the procession around the altar. A lot of times, that's neglected, and we see here there are so many hymns, so many melodies, so many tunes. They're even complicated to share just over over a podcast like this. Um, it would be better if we can write them down and and discuss them together, but. There's so many tunes that we're completely neglecting just for the sake of, I don't know, time or whatever. I don't really know what the reason is. Maybe we don't even know. So I hope that now that we know these things, we're going to pray the psalm in a different way. And the psalm shouldn't be repeated when we read the gospel. The deacon says, stand in the fear of God. That's the beginning of the gospel. That's it. The psalm has, is, is done. The psalm finished during the procession of the of the gospel book. And it's important to kind of follow along these things because at least my interpretation of these things is that the psalm is being prayed. As the psalm is being prayed, Simeon the Elder, who's kind of a bridge between the Old and New Testament, sees the fulfillment of the prophecy, sees the fulfillment of the Old Testament happening or being realized in Christ. As Lord, uh, letting your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation. My eyes have seen him. My eyes have seen his salvation, which is Christ. And Christ himself is the word that's being expounded at the moment. So I'm going to share this just so it's clear for everybody. Once the psalm is chanted, before the gospel is read, the priest venerate or the clergy venerate the gospel book as it's open. Your, my eyes have seen your salvation because the word of Christ is open. So the procession was with an open gospel book for the clergy to see it. However, once the gospel is read and is concluded, the gospel book is closed and then everybody goes around to venerate it. We can see remnants of this in the sense that at the end, after the prayer, after the absolution, there is a three long Lord have mercies that we pray before the concluding hymn. And in normal times, in pre-COVID times, I guess, the gospel book and the cross of the priest would be on top of each other. And then all of the believers, usually in some churches, just the deacons, but it should be all of the believers come and approach the gospel book and then they bow down and they kiss it because this was Christ. Christ was read. The word of God was read and the word read himself in the sense that the reader becomes the word of God, his presence among us. The priest senses the reader to highlight that this is, this is there's, there's the divine presence among us. Christ is reading through the reader and he's reading himself. Uh, just a few also interesting points about this topic. The archdeacon used to be the one who senses while the priest reads the gospel. So 
as the priest is reading the gospel, and sometimes the priest is sensing the reader, in the Coptic rite, actually, it's documented that the archdeacon himself was the one who would offer incense, um, or who would who would who would sense the priest as he's reading the gospel. Again, to highlight that there's a there's some divine presence occurring as Christ himself being the one who reads the gospel and who is the word himself. The word is reading and reading himself. After this, another point that's documented is that the subdeacon would process around the entire church with the gospel book and white linen for the rest of the congregation. Another important or another interesting note is that the place where the gospel is read is often called the Mangaleya, Al-Mangaleya, in Arabic at least. And Pope Gabriel V says that it used to be called Al-Ingaleya up until the 16th century, in which it changed to Al-Mangaleya. And I've heard an explanation about this, that uh, Al-Ingaleya, obviously indicating the gospel, and Ma-Ingaleya means the place of the gospel. Um, as we see in Coptic, for example, uh, the place, and then Angileya being the gospel in Arabic. And this place throughout history often was understood to be a higher ground or a higher place than the rest of the church, which is likely why the in the Coptic rite, the gospel is read on an elevated platform than the rest of the church, with the exception of the sanctuary, of course. In other rites, we can see that preserved in the, the building of an ambo from which the gospel is read, uh, which we don't have in the Coptic rite, likely due to its monastic adherence, but still the idea is there that the gospel is read from an elevated place. So that about does it for the psalm and for the gospel. We went through a beautiful journey together throughout the liturgy of the word, and God willing, we're going to continue the liturgy of the faithful shortly. Just important things to keep in mind. Uh, as the gospel is read, oftentimes people focus on the gospel for the wrong things. For example, a, mis a misunderstanding or a misconception is that I need to attend the gospel so I can take communion. And that's completely false, completely wrong. That is not documented anywhere in history. It doesn't exist. This idea is completely foreign to the authentic rites of the church. I don't know when it came to be, but it's doing us a great disservice. In fact, if you would like to take communion, you should be present in the church at the offering of the lamb, or even better, at the raising of incense. When the offering of lamb occurs, it's an offering for the people who are there. It should be everybody who's offering a lamb, not just those who are there and then other people, you know, kind of come late to the party, fashionably late or whatever. Like, the offering of a lamb is done on behalf of the people. So all the people should be there who are offering. And we go through an entire journey up until the liturgy of the word, at which point there's a, there's a climax when, the same way in the liturgy of the faithful, when we, we commune with Christ physically through the bread and wine, we likewise commune with Christ in our intellect, with our with our ears, with our eyes, and we and when we hear and now we see the words on the screens, for example, um, we see the word is being revealed to us. He is present among us. He is there. This is the climax of the liturgy of the word, and it should not be taken lightly at all. I know I understand that there are oftentimes other prayers, at least like in the clergy, for example, the litanies that are being prayed at that time. Whatever, the point is at, the, at that moment, the focus in the entire church should be reverence and awe to the presence of Christ, to the exposition that's being read, to, to the word himself being unfolded and, 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 and read among all the faithful. Like there, is, there should be a real awe there because there is such a, such a holy presence at that moment. 
some of the clergy that I know, for example, would remove the talasana, remove their their hat, their head covering during the liturgy, in honor and in reverence towards the gospel, towards the the the, the entire situation that's being read, the gospel that's being read from the gospel book, the go- that same gospel book that was held above our heads is now cracked open, and we're reading it, and we're and we're reading him, and he's being he's in our presence, and he's reading. He's the one who is reading as well, and the, and the deacon is sensing, or the priest now is sensing the reader. Like there is all of this this emphasis and this focus on the liturgy, uh, on the uh, reading, both in vespers and in the liturgy. So we should we should stand in awe and reverent reverently and hear and be attentive to the words of the gospel. Saint Anthony, for example, a great example which is often used to highlight the significance of listening to the gospel and paying attention and, and, and really taking the words of the gospel in our hearts. He heard one word uh, of the gospel and then he went and sold all he had. Then he heard another word of the gospel the next time and he went and he came monk. Like, like that's the significance, that's the power of the gospel that we can allow if we allow it in our hearts, if we allow it in our lives. There is such power in the reading of scripture. There is such power in all of these things. This entire liturgy of the word is often called the synaxis or the the gathering of readings and even in monastic communities where for example in the old in the early church where they wouldn't gather for prayer uh, of a liturgy every single time they would gather they would still gather and they would meditate on scripture and read the scripture together and the end the end of the gospel would be the end of the synaxis or the end of their gathering following the gospel obviously there's usually a homily if there is, if there is. If there isn't, it's fine. And then there's an entrance into the Liturgy of the Faithful. I think we'll leave it at that for today. We're going to take a brief break, um, and then we're going to return with the Liturgy of the Faithful, God willing. I really pray that we do our best to see the beauty and the richness of the Coptic Orthodox Rite. It's not confined to language. It's not confined to anything. Our Rite is beautiful and wonderful if we take the time to listen and to learn and to and to search there is so much depth in our tradition and i pray that this is an outlet for us to learn all together and to truly be aware of the beauty of our church until next time christ is within us mm-hmm.